Welcome to Shekinah International Podcast. Our ministry reflects the five-fold ministry model Apostle Paul mentions in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Our podcast features leaders from multiple churches who are passionate about equipping Christians just like you to walk in purity and power, fulfilling your God-given purpose. God wants to do great exploits through you, so enjoy today's podcast. Happy Mother's Day. No, I mean seriously, happy Mother's Day. Come on, you can do better than that. Jesus, one day we honor mothers and we need to have more, more days. Now, frankly, to be honest, I'm completely honored to be here with you today. If you're a woman in this room, you are by design a mother, whether in the spirit or in the flesh, Or both, even if you're a mother yet to be. Want to bless you all. Now, of course, I think everyone knows I have a a specific appreciation for women. Across the board, I do. I I absolutely do. Oh, now don't be taking that wrong. (laughs) No, there's some lovely lasses in this room. But I want to make certain that we understand uh, that by design, that women are by design certain, have certain characteristics. I think by design, innately, they have maternal characteristics. Now, we learn a lot of times from socialization and we watch others and so on, but I've seen little tiny girls who will come up and mother me. They'll come up and go, they'll come up, you look sad. Or, or, or something similar. So I think there's innate characteristics about being a mother that even if a, a woman grew up by herself, she, knew, she would know how to mother. She would know how to care. Uh, and of course, as I said, I do appreciate that women are beautifully and wonderfully made. However, by design, it is my premise, like I said, that women are innately maternal. And when I say that, because of cultural things, that really we don't, I'm not even going to talk about them. You kind of addressed it. But um, I want to make sure that all the women in this room understand that I'm not talking about your just pushover women who bear children and you know, that's, that's it. You're courageous women. You're powerful women. You are creative women. You're talented women. So you're the full package. Come on, moms have to be a full package, don't they? Don't they? They, they have to be. I mean, everything you have to do as a mom, you have to be patient. Patience. I would say patience is probably the number one characteristic that God gave women more, more than men, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, patience. Mom, 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 mom. It's got to be, got to be patience. Got to be patience. So I knew I'd have problems with page turners. One of these days, I'll get this on the laptop, and I won't have to do this anymore. 
Anyway, now we're missing a couple, but anyway, examples in this house of women who will eventually probably become mothers, who definitely exhibit maternal characteristics would be, for instance, Cammie. Cammie has, I've asked her to pray for me, and her maternal part comes out. I mean, I can just feel that when she's praying for me, it's, it's like, it's not like they're there or anything like that, but you can just feel, you can just feel her, her, the, the mother in her coming out. And uh, I've been very touched sometimes with prayer. In fact, I've told her a lot of times, I just love it when she prays for me because there's something I feel that's very, very special that comes from, from Cammie. Uh, also, Jackie, she's not here. But anyway, um, Jackie and I did worship, what, maybe four or six weeks ago, whatever. And it was at um, our throne room. And I was playing along. My hand, I think, started to cramp up a little or whatever. And I, I started taking my hand off the guitar. And she was like, are you okay? Should we, should we stop? You know, I could take over. And, and the way she was talking to me, she was super maternal. It was, like, very caring. In fact, when we got done, I walked up to Steph and I said, you know what? It was like worshiping with you. It was like, it was like worshiping with many you. Yeah, that's what we said, many you. She does exhibit a lot of the same characteristics. And lastly, like I said, little girls can exhibit very strong maternal characteristics. And Carrington, from time to time, I think she, you know, Carrington's Carrington. But once in a while, she'll come up to me and she'll go, she'll give me a hug and she'll go, are you all right? You know, like, yeah, it is very sweet. So women do have these oh good, innate maternal characteristics. And I think that nurturing and kindness and encouraging, men can be that way, but women have what you would call the special sauce. They, they know. <laughs> the women have the special ingredients that make it all work. I mean, I think I'm a fairly kind guy. I think I'm fairly encouraging. But there's something about <clears throat> when a woman does it that's it's just different. Special. <laughs> so as an example of how powerful a mother is, I don't know who said this quote, I can't even remember, but it's stuck in my head for years. You can take the toughest man, you can take the burly veteran fighter, totally non-emotional guy, sit him down, put on a video of his mother when he's a child or into his teens, and 60 seconds, Niagara Falls. He will weep his heart out. So women are so formative. They're formative whether you're male or female. Um, there's something that, that women do as, as mothers. Yeah, dad's there, we know. He, he, he's got his part. 
but something about moms seems to, even in great male political figures and others, uh, Winston Churchill, raised by his nanny, he wrote books about her, saying if not for her support, her kindness, her feminine intuition, she even advised him about political stuff, and his own mother was rather distant. But what he's saying is nanny took the place of his mom and provided him with something he deeply needed. He knew he needed a mother. So we all deep down know, and after all, men and women, we both come from women. You know, you ladies do something I certainly can't. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to, but I'm just saying. <laughs> so moms are definitely the complete package, loving, encouraging, nurturing, patient, courageous, and strong. So you ladies are a miracle. I mean, absolutely a miracle. I'm going to tell you why I absolutely know that here in just a second. <laughs> but you should face somebody, turn to somebody, and say, you're a miracle. You're just, guys, you're a miracle too. But unfortunately, lads, today is not your day. But it's coming up soon. Don't, don't, just be patient. <laughs> Good stuff. So I thought, I, I discussed this stuff. I thought that um, I've told little bits of my story about being the birthing person, not intentionally, but uh, I thought it was appropriate today that uh, my son, who is now deceased, and he'd actually, I just figured out, he'd be your age, Matt. Isn't that weird? <coughs> I thought it was interesting. But anyway, we, we made all these plans, you know, like couples do. I did little Ma's stuff. He, he was a miracle baby uh, six months instead of not, no, you know, how that goes. We got married a little late. <coughs> but um, I, I did everything prepped for this. I was so geeked. Um, you know, I, I felt like the whole pregnancy, we were really tight and, and all this stuff. But anyway, we planned to do this thing at Lansing General, which is now McLaren, which is right around the corner from us at that time. And they had these little family rooms they set up at that time. I don't know if they still do it. But while she's in labor, you know, you can do all this stuff and it's supposed to be more homey. Okay. Well, you know, I, I planned all this stuff and we planned all this stuff together. But <coughs> she was speedy. We only did like played maybe a couple <laughs> hands of, of cards or whatever, and they kept you know checking to see if she's dilated. And they just came back and said, "Well, I guess you're gonna have to wait on this game because she's going." So um, <laughs> I I couldn't even make this story up. So they they take us to the, to a, a different room for birthing, and she gets all, the nurse sets her all up, and I'm supposed to be with Maya's coach, right, her breathing coach. I don't know why they have men do that, because as far as, as, far as I can see, it, it really doesn't make any difference to the woman at all. In fact, the words that I heard my wife utter about me trying to coach her, well, it was, it was all right. I understood, you know, she was in pain stuff, <laughs> but... So anyway, the, this nurse was this nurse. 
this, this nurse was awesome, and she kept looking at me going, it's okay, honey. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. She, I think she probably still loves you. <laughs> you know, so we're going through this, the, you know, we're waiting for the doctor, right? The nurse has got us all set up, and, sh- and uh, somebody comes in and talks to her, the nurse, and she turns around, and she goes, uh, your doctor's not going to make it. And I'm like, yeah, I don't remember what happened. But he had had cancer, so I don't remember. I think something happened with his health, and we just heard about it. Um, that was a long history with us. So she goes, don't worry about it. We're going to get you an intern. <laughs> I tell you what, you know, you know, I got the wife up here. That, you know, I don't know what to do. I mean, she's breathing the best she can, and she, she's like, look. I'm fine. I'm breathing. I'm like, okay, got it, got it, got it, got it. So anyway, in comes the intern. And he was very professional. Uh, Mr. Chapman, I'm, you know, I'm going to take care of this for you. And, uh, you know, so, you know, I'm, and the nurse is like, okay, doctor, let's go. He comes down to the business end, and he starts, he starts hyperventilating. I kid you not, I'm watching this. He starts hyperventilating, and he goes pasty white to the point where he starts to like, and the nurse is grabbing him. She goes, she looks at me, she goes, it's okay, honey, we'll, we'll get him fixed up. <laughs> so she, she takes him over and sets him on a bench that was across from the, the bed, and she gives him a bag to breathe in because he was hyperventilating so much. And... I'm, I'm going, mm-hmm. what's going on, right? And, and she goes, well, she, she actually sent him out of the room. She said, you need to get a hold of yourself and get recovered, so um, get out of here. And then she turns around, she goes, Mr. Chapman? I'm like, yeah. She goes, you with me. I'm like, huh? <laughs> she said, yeah. Yeah, you're going to help me uh, down here, and uh, we're going to get this done because we can't find a doctor. Don't worry. I've been doing this for years. I'm like, I believed her, too. I mean, she had that sergeant major voice, but still, still really, 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 really kind. (laughs) So I'm down, and she she goes, don't worry about her breathing anymore. She'll breathe. (laughs) She's fine. She's, She's fine. You need to come down here. So she's like... She's, like, guiding me, right? I mean, she's doing most of the work, but she's, she's telling me what to do here. And, and then she's instructing me, kind of like, this is class. <laughs> so she's like, oh, look, she's crowning. And, you know, she, she was going through every step of it and telling me where she wanted my hand to be or whatever. And, um, you know, eventually the head's coming out and... You know, and she kept looking at me, are you okay? <laughs> Believe me, I did not feel like passing out. I was fascinated. <laughs> I was like, I, I was like, man, I cannot believe this. <laughs> and, and believe me, believe me if I ever doubted the miracle of life or God, I never did again. Because, <laughs> well, it, you know, so, you know, most of the delivery is complete, right? And. And uh, she gives me a little swaddling blanket, and we, I did the snip-snip. 
And, uh, you know, she guided me through the whole thing. And then the after birth and what was interesting, um, there was two placentas. So it could have been twins at one point. Now, I thought it was weird when she said, do you want the placentas? Um, for what? Well, a lot of people make stew. I was like, I'll pass, I'll pass. <laughs> that's, that's okay, that's okay. And, um, you know, but the tender part was then she set up the little bath and somebody came in and I got to clean him off. And then when he was all snuggled up and all ready to go, I got to hand him to my wife at the time. So it was, it was very sweet. And, and I made sure that they got set up and we're all snuggled in. And I went home and, of course, uh, there was no way I was sleeping. So at 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm going, hey, bro. <laughs> Who is this? <laughs> hey, it's me, Brent. You know? <laughs> it was pretty funny. But I, I thought that was appropriate for today. And now I shared. And that was good. So, like I said, women are amazing. They're a miracle. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't want to do that. There's no way. But I was on assist. <laughs> and I didn't even... I didn't ask for it, right? <laughs> you know, you get in those situations and it's just total adrenaline. There, there's portions of it I don't really remember, but I think I was just because, you know, it's like now. You can't wait until five minutes. <laughs> you have to be here now. So um, really interesting stuff. So now that I shared that, we're going to talk about two of the most important mothers that have ever existed. Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. Now, I was explaining this to Steph yesterday on the phone. I don't know how I ever missed this. I mean, it's like I haven't, it's not like I haven't read the passages, but I never got the fact that Elizabeth and Mary were not only related, like cousins, I never knew, I never got the correlation that they were actually helping each other. That one way or another, they um, got together. So I'm going to uh, go through some of the scripture, but I'm not going to read it all at once. So we'll have a little break in between because the scripture is really pretty long, Luke is. So, um, so this portion... Is really about faith. This is a test in faith, and then we're going to go for what we all need to do and what we do very well is encouragement. So of all the mothers and daughters we meet in the book, uh, Elizabeth and Mary are very unique. For those reasons I just mentioned, they were actually related. And even though Elizabeth was not Mary's mother, she was older, more mature, and I imagine for a virgin Mary who is now pregnant, who is probably 13 or 14 years old maybe, according to betrothal at that time, having an older woman around was a pure blessing, and I believe God knew that. So we got the uh, cousins out of the way, and knowing who Elizabeth is is uh, the only way we know that is because of Luke. It's the only gospel that tells us the story of Elizabeth. 
and her husband, Zechariah. Uh, Luke does offer us the account of a birth of John the Baptist, including with uh, the parents, and he reveals the parents to be upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. Unfortunately, even though they were observing all God's commandments and what they were blameless, they were childless as well. And of course, at this time in culture, if you were a couple and you were childless, and they were married a long time, I mean, we're talking praying for decades for a child, um, your um, social group probably thinks there's something wrong, like the Lord has turned against you, you sinned, all kinds of reasons. So I'm sure, I'm sure Zachariah was hurt not having a son, but I can't imagine how Elizabeth felt. Year after year, she's getting older. She knows it's too late. There's no way. No way I'm ever going to have a child. And yet they were upright in the sight and living commandments without a flaw. Now, God often has a plan. What was that? Was that me? Uh, of uh, beyond our understanding and infertility of infertilities. In other words, if there's a problem with fertility, God's going to work it out in some way as he did with Sarah and he's doing with Elizabeth. So that's wonderful to know, right? <laughs> Luke tells us that Zechariah was a priest. And uh, the story in Luke says that he reported for his priestly duties uh, to the temple. Uh, and interesting, priests at this time, there's thousands of them in Israel, and they only actually did their services uh, one week periods at a time for only two weeks a year. So they'd be on for one week and then have all that delay in between. And one of their most important duties was to uh, offer the incense offering. And there was, they did it by lot. So there was actually priests who would serve a lifetime and never get to do it. But on this day, Zechariah drew the right straw or what, however it worked. And he went into the temple thinking he was pretty excited. You know, uh, he's getting older and I, I get to do this. You know, this is really cool. I'm, I'm not sure if it was the pinnacle of his career, but I know it sure felt good. So he goes into the temple, and God's got a setup. He, it's a setup. And uh, he encounters the stunning presence of an angel, Angel Gabriel. And the scripture says, when Zacharias saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. We all love to hear that. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son, and you are to call him John. He will be joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Woo! Guy was on fire. He will... <laughs> He will bring back many people of Israel to the Lord. He will go on before the Lord in the spirit, the power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of parents to their children, 
and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready people and prepare for the Lord. Zechariah, probably what I would have said, but he asked the angel, how can you be sure of this? Because I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. So he's got a little doubt going, I don't know, I think it's understandable, but I don't think Gabriel did. <laughs> anyway, the angel said to him, I'm Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you the good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens, until his son's born. So he's rendered mute because you did not believe my words, which will which will come true at their appointed time. So, you know, all right, he pays a little price here. You know, a little doubt. He's sound for nine months. I guess you could get away with that, write, write stuff down, or whatever he had to do. Uh, but the interesting part of this, which I, I find fascinating, is all these people are outside the temple, and they're waiting for him, and they don't know where he is, but they know something's going on. They feel it. And at this time in Israel, it's recorded that God had not spoken directly to the people in almost 400 years. That's a long time to wait to hear from the Lord. And here's Zechariah, an elderly man, or getting close to being elderly, <coughs> who's been praying for his son his whole life. Suddenly, <laughs> he meets an angel. He hears this word that his wife's going to get pregnant, and he's going to have a son that's going to introduce all of Israel to the coming Messiah. Pretty good day at the office. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and Zechariah, come on, he's got to be on fire. He's got to be excited. And yet it does state that even though he was super excited and this was all really good, he stayed and finished his priestly duties. That's loyalty to God. Loyalty to the God. So uh, we already talked about that. Uh, so this is an interesting conversation. Okay. <clears throat> he, he's, he's supposed to be silent now or rendered mute. But let's say he's not. And let's be the fly on the wall when he gets home. Because he's got to be just geeked. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have a son. I'm going to have a son after all these, all these years. And the conversation, I believe, would have gone something like, honey, I'm home. Oh, hi, Zachariah. How was your day at the temple? Uh, well, it was pretty good, honey. I, I got to do the incense offering first time ever. Oh, honey, that's a wonderful accomplishment. I'm so happy to hear it. Anything else happen? Uh, well, actually, uh, I ran into the angel Gabriel, <laughs> and you're going to get pregnant, and we're going to have a son. Not only are we going to have a son, but he's going to uh, usher in the coming Messiah. Silence, right? Mic dropped, her jaws on the floor. Um, that sounds really nice, honey. Um, Zach, have you been in the Temple Mormon? <laughs> I mean, what else, you know? <laughs> no, honey, really? <laughs> no, this is going to happen. Can you imagine this woman's waited for a child her whole life? And now she hears that this is actually going to come true, even though she's beyond childbearing years. And was she afraid? Was she disbelieving? 
did she scream for joy or maybe just say, honey, were you in the temple line? <laughs> I mean, the disbelief that, try to make this relatable, how we would feel, you know, if we saw an angel and all these prayers that we've had for decade after decade finally came true. That's faith right there. That is a tremendous thing about faith. And, of course, now that he spilled the beans, and, and now I'll have to be quiet. I, I don't know if that was a good thing for the marriage or not. But uh, this is, uh, <laughs> from now on, there's, there's no debate. There's no, no more discussion because she just gets pregnant like that. She's, she's there. And she's got this Holy Spirit-filled son in her body, uh, she must have been geeked. I mean, just cruising. Um, there is something very special about pregnant women. I mean, there there's a special glow I have noticed personally. So there there is a kind of a, a, a small aside lesson here that how many times have we prayed for something? And as time goes on, doesn't happen, doesn't happen, doesn't happen, so we put it on the shelf. We put it on the shelf, and it's, and then all of a sudden, wow, something's happening. Um, Gabriel did tell Zechariah, this is so cool, your prayer has been heard. Okay, your prayer has been heard, and now God is helping you achieve your desire here 30, 40 years later, but your prayer was heard. So I think all of us have that have had an experience maybe where we pray and pray and pray and nothing happens. And it's not that we it's not that we don't have faith. I I think we just you know, maybe I should pray for, maybe I should pray for something less. I don't know, or maybe I should pray for something different. <laughs> okay, maybe that's just me. But uh, <laughs> You know, there's there's a lot that goes on when you pray and pray and pray and you feel like nothing seems to happen. So often, you know, we cannot see that God is weaving together the threads of our lives until long after the tapestry is complete. God's ways are his ways. He's, he's designed this whole thing like we talked about quantum vibration and everything. This stuff, the symphony is happening all the time and all these things are happening, interweaving. And uh, one layer leads to another layer, and this is happening over here, and this is happening. So this symphony has all been planned, conducted by the Holy Spirit. So it's God's time, not our time. And I'm sure Zachariah was just like, whew, been a long way, but this is so cool. So sometimes we do struggle. We do struggle to see the perfect path forward, only to realize when that season is in the rearview mirror, that the agenda we so desperately wanted to achieve was wildly inferior to God's design. I think this is so, using, using this scripture to talk about this is so cool. And, uh, you know, never give up, never give up. Uh, that's the quote on my Facebook, by the way. <coughs> Winston Churchill did a whole speech, supposedly, that he just said, never give up, never give up, and got off stage. But there's something very powerful in that, those, those small words. Because oftentimes, you know, we do. We give up too easily, maybe. 
when we're out fighting for something. Just as sort of an, a quick example, because I could have gone on forever, you know, it's the Irish in me, you know, I just love to tell a good story. <laughs> and we're good at telling stories, but not so good at brevity. So <laughs> I think my personal experience since I've come here to Shekinah, that I have had some prayers answered just because, you know, I played in bands and I did all these things and I was in the studio a million times and because I fought with partners, I fought with band members, I fought with other musicians, I fought with agents, I fought with all these different people, nothing really ever got produced. I finally have a song. I have, I have a, this is an answer to a prayer. And by the way, I say I, I say we, I say many people were involved in this. And I have mentioned to Stephanie and others, maybe <laughs> that's part of the point, Brent. <laughs> maybe you shouldn't be so, you know, me, me, me. But it's been a really beautiful thing, and it is a prayer answered. And it's, it's kind of amazing how good it's come out. I mean, it's so much better than I ever would have expected. Um, <laughs> not that, believe me, not that, I have very low expectations, that's not it at all. Especially, um, <laughs> no, that is not it. No, I have very high expectations. <laughs> but you know, I'm kind of mellowing out a little, geez. So, so anyway, I guess as an example, that's a long time, that's what? 40 years, probably, I've been praying. And it's come true. So let's move on to Mary here a little bit. I'm kind of glossing things over, but I want to show you the connection. I mean, this must have been, well, it was planned by God, obviously. But Gabriel does pay a visit to Mary. And in the scripture, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. Already we heard that back with Zechariah. So Gabriel's telling everybody, It's okay. It's okay. God is with you. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will be called Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Once again, we have a little bit of doubt, but different from Zechariah, because Actually, Mary is so faithful. She believes so strongly. She just wants to know how is this going to happen. You know, I'm, I'm not, not known a man. I'm still a virgin. I mean, she didn't say I don't believe it. She said, hmm, how is this going to come to pass? So a little different than Zachariah. Um, kind of maybe a young woman's curiosity more than anything else. And I, I love that part that Mary is so young when the, all this is going on. She has no idea. She's never been with a man. She, she doesn't know anything that's really going on, but she just believes and just believes and just believes. 
Oh, that we all had that kind of faith. I lost my place, but you know that happens from time to time. <laughs> so there is a practical edge to both of them. They want to know what's going on a little bit. Now, Zachariah kind of maybe overstepped it a little bit with Gabriel, but Gabriel answered Mary's questions, not only with explanations, but even more good news. The Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, I love how it comes together here, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who's, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is now in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. That's a really important part right there in this whole story. I mean, it's telling us, number one, to have faith without end, to believe what we're asking for, what God wants us to do, to believe that that's going to happen, and then God's word will never fail. Three important things. So Luke tells us that Mary hurried, this is good stuff, I think, to see Elizabeth. Mary must have been nearly overwhelmed with joy. She knew the pain Elizabeth had suffered, longing for a child, which it seemed she would never have. The two women were bound in miraculous motherhood. Mary knew Elizabeth would welcome her news, too. I should have changed that a long time ago. But oh, you got it? I think these are really nice pictures. I don't know. I, I really thought they were, they were good of the women. So the scripture says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So neither woman had any idea the other was going through these experiences. And the minute Mary walks through the door, the, uh, John leaps in the womb, and instantly... Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, we, we should all have the Holy Spirit leaping inside of us all the time. I love that portion. So we have this connection now. These women live together for three months, according to the scripture. And imagine the young woman, Mary, pretty naive, didn't know what was going on, really having a mentor this is where we're getting to, and an encourager like Elizabeth by her side. Uh, at this point, we, we do a pretty good job here in this church, I think, of encouraging each other. And we're encouragers, and often we need encouragement. So we have kind of a dual role. God, I, I believe, ex not only desires this, but expects it out of us because it's not easy out there. We go through lots of trials and tribulations. We need each other, I think, is the lesson that we're learning here along with this beautiful relationship. And, you know, that it's so tender to see an older woman who's pregnant also taking care of a younger woman, almost like her daughter, but not, and helping her get through this, the symptoms and whatever's going on. <coughs> 
Now, it doesn't say where Zachariah was <laughs> with all this. I don't know. I, he must have been a very kind, understanding man, you know, with two women hormones bouncing all over the place. <laughs> Tears, you know, one day and laughter the next. <laughs> he must have just been, thank you, Lord. <laughs> thank you, Lord. <laughs> so... So in encouragement, Elizabeth was a comfort and a guide to Mary, and she shows us generations later how to be a, mem a mentor and an encourager ourselves. Our earthly relationships can never serve as a substitute for our fellowship with our Heavenly Father, but they can be a deep source of consolation and wisdom. So we all need each other, encouragement, encouragement, and we do. I think this whole body does a great job of encouraging one another. From Cami, <laughs> from Cami to Carrington, I think we all do a very good job. Beyond simple encouragement, Elizabeth's words to Mary were a confirmation of Gabriel's declaration, an expression of her own humility and praise for Mary's faith. It is important to keep in mind that because Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, here this is an act of prophecy on her part. So she didn't know that Mary was pregnant, but the minute she walked in, she knew, or she proclaimed it. So Elizabeth's proclamation had to give Mary added comfort, knowing that someone she already trusted and loved fully accepted the divine nature of her pregnancy because obviously a child out of wedlock at that time in Jerusalem was, you know, stoning offense. And uh, I think Mary probably was a little nervous about that as well. It was good to have an older woman to, to help her get by. And of course the Lord was going to cover her up with that. Elizabeth did put her finger on exactly what it was that made Mary exceptional. Blessed is she who has believed. I'm winding up here, but blessed is she who has believed. This is kind of looking at uh, David. David didn't beat Goliath because he was great. He was, he was super strong or he had great talents. He, he believed. Uh, Esther did not went out with the king and, and have the courage to go approach the king for any other reason that she believed God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Total belief, total faith. Elizabeth saw and celebrated Mary's belief. So we got the encouragement going on. Here she sees something really cool out of this young woman who doesn't probably even understand exactly what's going on, and, and she's encouraging her. She's lifting her up. She's being the older woman. She's guiding her. I, I made notes all over the place, and sometimes it's all right. I'm passing them by. <laughs> so we can go to the last one. Y'all going. Um, 
so I, I, I think as, as we come to closing here, and I have, I think, a really good activation, um, the, whatever you get out of this, encouragement and, and faith and belief kind of go hand in hand. A lot of times we lose a little bit of faith or we stumble and we wouldn't pick it back up unless we had somebody to encourage us to keep going, move forward. <coughs> so important, so absolutely important. So, <coughs> excuse me, as well as, um, especially in this case, we talk a lot about the younger generation and we see here the older generation way back when um, sticking with encouraging the younger generation. And not only were they sticking together, they were getting along great. They were loving one another because, yeah, there was a huge age difference, but they were going through very similar things. Um, generational encouragement, this is a great example. So as we come to close here, and at some point, well, just, yeah. we'll probably need some music here in a minute, if you got some. Uh, Mary's Song of Praise called the Magnificent. Now, I, I love this, this portion. It's about two paragraphs. I'm going to read it right from her words. Draws on traditions of Jewish scripture from the prayer of Hannah through the promises of Isaiah. So often when we read Mary's Song in church or in Bible study, we look solely at this one passage and fail to see the larger context. Everything that comes pouring out of Mary in these verses, all the poetry, the fiery faith that have lit the heart of Christians for 2,000 years happened because of what Elizabeth told her. In other words, a person who encourages, I, I, I think I always say we never know the impact we have. An encouraging word to one person could have impact a thousand years from now, obviously, with Elizabeth. Elizabeth's words enabled Mary's glorious proclamation. Elizabeth's spirit-filled wisdom spilled over into Mary's soul and sparked her song. As we read these words, perhaps we picture Mary as she declares them. But this time, try something a little different. Imagine yourself as Elizabeth in this situation. Envision standing there and hearing Mary pour forth the inspired song of praise. Can you capture the experience of the pride and affection Elizabeth must have felt for her young cousin? Think of how proud it makes us when we see our children, godchildren, nieces, nephews, making their first confessions of faith, when we realize that seeds of faith have taken root in their hearts. Elizabeth must have felt the same indescribable joy, tenderness, and pride when she heard Mary's words. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. 
but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to the to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. I never really read that too much. <laughs> so when I read it, you know, the other night, I was just like, wow, this is so cool. Where I, I don't know how I missed this, but see, that's why the Holy Spirit made me buy the book, and that's why I'm doing it right now. Thank you for listening today. Take a moment and ask Holy Spirit what He wants you to do with what you've learned. And remember, with God, all things are possible. So keep dreaming, keep praying, and simply obey. Because God is good, and He has good plans for you. You can subscribe to our blogs, learn about our speakers, and even hear from one of our team members how you can take part in transforming a city, your city with Christ. There's no time like the present. Visit ShekinahOnline.com. If this doesn't excite you, watch for our new and God-inspired product line, a newly released book by Stephanie Butler, more testimonies from our listeners like you, working to bring unity in cities across the world. If you feel led to support our podcast, you may do so on our Shekinah.com website. Or if you would like to support us monthly, there is a link labeled Listener Support on every podcast. Until next time, we thank you, we love you, have a blessed day.